Hello, friends, and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rupert. My name is Steve McDonough. On every episode of the podcast, we like to dive into a specific food or ingredient, harvesting the tender shoots of its history, unearthing its heroes, and celebrating its glorious hoopla with a nice side of hollandaise sauce. And our topic today is asparagus, which uh, I'm on Team Asparagus. I love the stuff. I'm, uh, yeah, I guess I'm on an asparagus fence. I will eat it. You know, my thing about asparagus, I... Okay, this is wrong. We're starting off immediately with me being like a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> but oh, I, asparagus has never been my favorite thing, but I do like it when it's overcooked. So when really? Dan makes it and, you know, the little skinny ones yeah, yeah, yeah. that sometimes get overly cooked and maybe a little crispy. I know you make you scrunched up your nose. I like those a lot. Well, I like I like crispy. Now, when you said overcooked, it made me think of canned because I think there is no greater affront to humanity than canned asparagus. They're That's so gross. slimy and gross yeah, and overcooked. Yeah. So when you say crispy, I'm on board with that. I like I know what you mean. Where it's got that kind of, especially if it's in. Because like we duck. always roast it. He never. Oh, yeah. That's the only way he ever cooks it is roasting it. I like and to grill it when and it gets get a little char on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. You know, I think I'm yes. Okay, I'm team asparagus. Yeah, so my my mom grew up in an era where canned was fancy. Yeah, uh, not to call out my mom, but she would talk about like they would get excited about canned peas or canned asparagus. Like that was the, you know, that was the height. You were in luxury, and God, canned asparagus. I'm sorry if uh, if you're one of our canned asparagus farmers. <laughs> I apologize for uh, for insulting your your line of work, but I that to me is <clears throat> that is a bad substitute for asparagus. So. Uh, so let's let's jump right in because I have so much information. You're going to have to kind of shepherd's hook me uh, and get me to shut up as usual. I have no problem um, with that. Yeah, you're good at that. Um, <laughs> and you're done now. That's okay. That's, good. That, that's better. Well, as much as I can handle. Tag, you're it. So um, I the Latin name, which I know you're always on bated breath waiting oh, for a Latin for name. Frig's sake. Hey, but listen, this one is so boring. The Latin name for oh, asparagus because the others are fascinating oh, i think no, they're fascinating hit me with the boring latin name so the God official sake. latin name for asparagus is yeah. asparagus officinalis <laughs> so <laughs> i think that's about as boring it's like if you were to pig no latin. that's actually my favorite <laughs> yeah that's when you when you want to sound smart uh it's asparagus officinalis i like um, that i like see yeah no you're wrong that isn't boring that's my favorite one ever well that that speaks to our personalities. That's the one I'm I'm uh, I'm you know not excited about that, and that's the one you like. So, uh, it comes. It's native. So the plant. It is a plant, by the way. Spoiler alert, in case you you didn't know that. Uh, it's native, really, to what we think of as Eurasia, right? So not you know your Asia, but you know what I mean, E U R A Eurasia, uh, and Northern Africa. So it's that kind of fertile crescent area of the world. And uh, what I I always love not only sort of the scientific history, but also where the name comes from. So the the name asparagus comes from a Persian word, asparag, which means to sprout or to shoot, which is perfect because asparagus is thought of as sort of the harbinger of spring and it sprouts, yeah. it jumps up from the dirt. It's one of the first things you see in the spring, even before there are leaves on, on many trees, you'll see the, the shoots of asparagus coming up. And um, you, it grows so fast you can watch it. Oh yeah, that's that's amazing, right? And I've got a little story about about that in a second. Okay. But uh, so what's cool? So asparag, and you can see how that would you know turn into asparagus, uh, which was sort of the the plural in Latin. Um, but what I think was kind of cool in the 1700s in your country, in ye old England, oldie with an e on the end, um, 
it, the name kind of got bastardized. So it turned into sparrowgrass. Yeah. So if you say sparrowgrass, asparagus, I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was actually referred to asparagus for a while, but asparagus uh, was a little more pinky raised, fancier sounding. Uh, so that's the name that uh, that stuck. I like sparrowgrass. Yeah, I think that it's, sounds... it's very uh, evocative. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it poetic. pops up early. The birds are coming back. It's something that they literally can. Uh, stand on it holds its weight it no it. so that, that you, like you it. it was a perfect segue so oh our, really thank yes, you so much listen for our turkish listeners out there because i know we have we're huge for in, our in turkish Turkey. listeners um, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> um so i love the name for asparagus in turkish because it is so oddly specific i know i'm gonna botch the pronunciation but it's called uh kuskanmaz which literally means birds can't land birds can't <laughs> land <laughs> <laughs> which is such a specific name for a plant like the fact that they're naming vegetables in based on the perchability of that plant to me is a spare but because it because it's vertical and straight up their their logic is it's a plant that birds can't land on really yeah i would so. think that they could well you know it's you, pretty solid right it I mean, is it's pretty sturdy solid, but it's it's kind of you have to have the the sideways and uh for the listeners i'm doing i'm pretending to be a bird perching sideways i guess it's a bit of a hard landing to land sideways but i've seen birds do oh. that right so that's huh. the okay well i take it back so yeah sparrowgrass yeah. is evocative but it's not evocative, actually but possible yeah, that's right interesting so, yes. okay, i, I want to start renaming all vegetables based on their perchability or their bird perchability now for our uh gardening listeners which i know i am uh, the cheerleader of our of our garden club uh, you really should grow asparagus in, in the garden. It's super easy to grow, and it's a perennial, meaning it comes back every year. Now, the it takes a while, and what you end up doing is sort of dedicating a part of your garden and calling it sort of your asparagus patch, because it takes three to four years before you can really start harvesting uh, the asparagus spears. And it's um, really, they can go for 15, 20, 25 years. And, and again, that becomes sort of this dedicated corner of the garden. Now, I have to tell the story about the Jasper asparagus thief. Now, Jasper is the little town where I live. And just like uh, Loch Ness has its monster, it has Nessie. Um, Jasper has an asparagus thief, and apparently it's me. <laughs> so I was accused one year. We have a, a, a very sweet lady, Mrs. Landrum, who has a her, her asparagus patch, which she's had for probably 30 plus years. And she would bring me occasionally uh, some asparagus. And when we did a television show on uh, on asparagus for Georgia Public Broadcasting, we went to her asparagus patch and in the spring, and we got this beautiful footage of the. She has the purple and um, and you know green, and it, a beautiful patch of asparagus. Well, one year her asparagus was starting to come up, and then a day later it was all gone. And she started thinking, well, who knows about my asparagus patch? Well, Hans knows about it. <laughs> so she actually sent word through a friend saying that she's more than happy to share them with me, but she would prefer <gasps> if I asked before oh. I traipsed out in the middle of the you know, early morning and, oh. and stole her asparagus. Oh, no, she didn't. She absolutely. So just uh, spoiler alert, I did not steal the asparagus. What happens when you get these late cold snaps? So like right now, it's 70 degrees, but tomorrow it's going to be down to 28. The asparagus melts. That's what they call it, M-E-L-T. It melts. So those early shoots, if they get a hard freeze, will basically deflate and disappear. Like there's no, they just kind of go flat. 
So that's what had happened. But she just assumed that, well, Hans is the only person that knows where my asparagus oh my patch gosh. is. So, uh, oh, so, yeah. and she accused, and you started this by saying she was very sweet. I she was, she, I said, was, remember, past tense was, very, no, she, she's, did, she's still very sweet, but, okay. um, a little misguided. I did not. I mean, it's, it sounds like the kind of thing I would do, but just for the, oh record, my God, I'd... I would, I would be holding on to that so hard. <laughs> I would not be able to let that go every time. What is her name? Uh, no, Mrs. Land- just thing. Mrs. Landrum. Mrs. Mrs. Land- There's a lot of Landrums, but she knows Mrs. who she Mrs. is. Mrs. Landrum. She knows, you know who you are, <laughs> Mrs. Landrum. <laughs> Mrs. Landrum. But you know what? Oh, if Mrs. Landrum accused me of stealing her asparagus, every single time I saw Mrs. Landrum, I'd be like, good morning, Mrs. Landrum. But in my head, I'd be thinking, I know what you did. I know what you <laughs> accused me of. I would, I would, I would hold that grudge like, like a little girl in a Japanese horror movie. <laughs> well, now that I'm telling the story, I'm realizing that she has not gifted me asparagus since then. No, Just, yeah, no. Really, now that I think about You're it. probably responsible for the melting. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So now, have you, Steve, ever seen an asparagus plant uh, other than the shoots? Have you seen the actual plant growing? Like watching it grow? Like No, no, I mean, there... just like w- once it's past the shoot phase, like what it turns into once it's sort of developed. Uh, I guess not. I guess I not. It was... You just thought it was those little, those little yeah, straight up spears. So yeah. that is just the stalks that emerge from the ground. It actually gets to be about five to six feet tall, and it's a very ferny looking plant. Really delicate leaves. It branches out. Birds could actually perch on them once the once they <laughs> perchability uh, back the, the perchability factor goes way up once you get past the shoot phase there, uh, and they have these little red berries on there. It's it's actually a, a beautiful plant, and. Once it gets to that stage, though, it's very bitter. It's very fibrous. You wouldn't want to eat it. And those red berries are very poisonous to humans. <gasps> yeah. So birds can eat them. <laughs> the, bird, the birds are all about the asparagus, it seems. But um, the, the plant is totally edible for us, except for the berries are, are toxic. Oh, so, no, I did not know that. Yeah, you should say it really is a beautiful plant. It, and it was grown as an herb um, for longer than it was grown as a vegetable because there was, there was a lot of um, medicinal properties. And I'll touch on that in just a second. But um, the, the cool thing about asparagus, uh, or actually not the cool thing, the thing that people seem to reference with asparagus, like if people talk about beans, they eventually end up talking about gas. So, which is always kind of embarrassing to associate food with bodily functions. But when it comes to asparagus, what do people think of when they eat asparagus? There's always the after effect, right? You want yes, to, the yes, pee. The pee, the stinky we're pee. We're going You're waiting for me to talk about pee. Well, we're definitely going to talk You're about You're waiting for uh, me to approach it because <laughs> I don't have to see Mrs. Landrum on, this, on the street right. saying, I listened to your pee podcast. Yeah. You're even worse than I thought. Well, it, uh, the, our neighbors, we had a, a young, young man named Julian that was my son Finn's friend that had never had asparagus before. He came over to our house. We had some grilled asparagus. And the next day, his father called me and said, what did you feed my son? I went into the bathroom after him, and it was horrible. So, number one, they'd never fed their child asparagus. His father had never eaten asparagus. Uh, but it is shocking. Like, if, you, if you're not expecting it or if you, you forget— You get in a lot of trouble in Jasper. You're really a troublemaker. <laughs> Unruly yeah. boys. That is true. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm corrupting a lot of young people with asparagus and other, you know, exotic foods, pomegranates. Um so let's let's talk about the stinky pea. The the reality yes, let, is Let's do that. It what Well, cuz it's, it's it is 8:12 in the morning. <laughs> we have to talk. I'm like trying to drink some coffee and you're like, "Let's talk about stinky well, it, I I just want to address the. Let's keep uh, this short, shall we? Yes, because we'll keep it short. Sake. So the the to me the interesting thing is is that some people say that they cannot smell it, but the reality is it affects 
every human. It's just that not all humans have the specific gene to be able to detect that smell. And that smell is coming from a, a, a specific amino acid that only comes from asparagus that is called appropriately asparagine. And asparagine is, again, what creates that, that smell. And every human that eats asparagus creates that same odor, but not every human can actually detect it. Interesting. So it's kind of like um, cilantro, yep. how you have to be genetically predisposed to have it taste like soap. Yep, that's exactly right. Huh. So, I wonder if, if they're the same people. <gasps> Those oh, poor that would people be would be like, you know, the cilantro haters and the and the asparagus pea smellers. Yeah, that's oh, right. <laughs> what a yeah. What a, that's a handicap. You should get like, government aid for that. Yeah, that's and but you could actually say instead of it not just being I don't like it, that's a genetic predisposition. You have a you have a card yeah. a card carrying excuse yeah. to not liking those foods. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, poor things. Yes. So let's jump into a little history because I'm I otherwise... to start a fundraiser. <laughs> a GoFundMe. That's right. Um, so we first learn about asparagus as far back as 150 BC when it's mentioned in a uh, book by Roman writer Marcus Porcius Cato. I love uh, his work. Oh, he's awesome. Oh, yeah. my gosh. He always leaves oh it on gosh. a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, I have, I, got, I have this book next to my bed by him. It's good you know that's you say that but i do have a book about figs next to my bed but i know you do. <laughs> we, we talked about that one. Oh, yeah, you um, talk about your fig book that's right so um what, what's interesting is asparagus sort of disappears from recorded history doesn't There's, disappear it melted it melted away i stole it from recorded history <laughs> from mrs landrum's <laughs> library and so there is no mention of asparagus between say 300 a.d and 1180, so it for you know 800 years, it's it's gone. It doesn't. It's not mentioned at all, which is kind of strange because we we know that people were you know eating it, but for whatever reason, uh, in the Middle Ages, were not very uh, asparagus friendly. They were asparagusless uh, years, it seems, during the the Middle Ages. Um, but what we what we do know from piecing together multiple you know recorded histories is that. Uh, it was very popular in Egypt, and there it was associated with fertility. I wonder why. Uh, and it was often uh, offered to the gods during fertility ceremonies because, you know, anything vaguely phallic-shaped is going to be, uh, you know, a fertility thing if I didn't Egyptians loved a phallus symbol. Oh, they did. Yeah, the Koreans do too, it seems. Uh, there's like a whole park for phallus there, phallus flags over Korea. Um oh. Then uh, the Roman Empire, asparagus was considered sort of this luxury, expensive vegetable, mainly because it's only available a very short time of the year, right? There's this window from when it's when it's shooting up, and that's that's when you can eat it. And uh, Emperor Augustus has he coined a phrase, and my Latin is going to be a little botched here because it's not a plant, uh, "velocius quam asparagi conquatur," which means faster than cooking asparagus. So that was a term that they said to describe something that was done quickly or hastily. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. try to incorporate that into my daily conversations today. Uh, and as with other foods we talked about before, as the Roman Empire spread, so did certain foods and asparagus is definitely one of those and in germany it stuck with a vengeance so of course you know germany was part of that um the whole roman empire at one point and in germany asparagus was seen as a sign of uh, fecundity you know, again with fertility uh it was a sign of spring and renewal and after the winter months it was sort of celebrated again as this harbinger of spring 
Now, to this day, Germans are still obsessed with asparagus. I'm talking like serious, full on, I heart you asparagus. Uh, and it's still referred to as the uh, the Königsgemüse or the or the king's vegetable, and uh, it's also sometimes called Weißgold, uh, which means white gold, because they are particularly obsessed with white asparagus, not the green stuff. Yes. Which, as you may know, it is the same exact plant. I do know. I do know. I even know. I. I it's not in mine, but I. I know how they do it. Well, good. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about that briefly. It. It is essentially what they're doing is. You're not going to uh, let me talk about it. Oh, do you want to talk about it? Is that your? You want to talk about it? You want to tell me a gardening tip? No, I just, I just want. I, yes, 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 yes. I just wanted. I just want to blurt it out so that you know that I know. Well, that's good. Well, why don't you tell us about how they, 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 how they make it white? They cover the asparagus back up in dirt so that it doesn't, so the sun can't get to it and make it photosynthesize into greenness. I love it. That's that's exactly right. You get a an A plus and a gold star. Amy, um, Amy, I got a point. <laughs> that's that you got a big point that's great uh so yeah it inhibits the production of chlorophyll which keeps them uh sweet and so they don't get that sort of i don't want to just say bitter because we think of bitter as a bad term but it, it it keeps that sort of earthiness out of it um and again that's a that's a big deal in germany there's even a special knife that they use uh it's like a long uh probably 12 14 inch blade with it's kind of sharpened to a point that they harvest them underground. So when the tips are just barely get, you know, poking up from those mounds of dirt, they grab the tip, they they shove the knife down at the very base and pull the thing up. Um, and it's a lot of work. I mean, it is a it is a ton of work. Uh, and speaking of tons, Germans eat about 125,000 tons of asparagus. I know. Have you ever been into a German men's room? Oh, my God, oh. the smell. Oh, <laughs> yes. my God. Yes, that over Germany. That coupled with the it beer. It's the ick in Munich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. That's the that's my that's the highlight reel right there. It we puts put the, the ick the, in Munich. Edelweiss, the Edelweiss. Hey, never mind. Natalie just abandoned that. Just leave it at the other one. That was funny. Yes, that was never funny. Mind. I knew where I was going with yep. that, but it's not. Funny. We're going to put that on a T-shirt. Abandoned um, joke. Yeah, abandoned joke. So um, now, so asparagus season is known in Germany as Spargelzeit. So they call asparagus Spargel, and Zeit means time. So Spargelzeit means asparagus time, and it runs from early April until June 24th, which is the feast of Saint John the Baptist. And what's really interesting when you're when you're in Germany, you see in southern Germany it pops up first because it's a little bit warmer there, and then as the season progresses, as the spring starts to warm up, you see it come throughout Germany in almost every restaurant that is worth its weight in salt will have a separate asparagus menu. And it is so cool to see. Now they're expensive because they're um, they're expensive to to, uh, to harvest and, and to grow. And again, very ephemeral, it's a short, short window to eat them. But you'll see this separate asparagus menu, uh, which usually has a simple kind of blanched or boiled asparagus with served with hollandaise sauce or with ham or with boiled potatoes or with savory pancakes or in a cream soup or pickled. But again, it's this separate menu. And uh, when I was there last with my father in 2007, we basically kind of followed the we were there for two weeks and we followed as the as the asparagus was coming into season. And I think we probably ourselves ate a half a ton of asparagus. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great time. And I'm leaving for for Germany in the morning. Uh, well, actually, today. 
Yeah, I'm flying out. I yeah, arrived this there morning. this morning, yeah. but I arrived there tomorrow morning. Uh, but I am two weeks early, so I will not be eating any German asparagus. Oh, uh, you, they, you don't think they'll have any? They will. So they'll have Greek and Spanish. Um, oh, but my but cousin Toby. To, they're really not going to let it out for another two weeks? No, I mean, it's, it's just not there yet. It's still cold. Wow. And so uh, Toby actually warned me. He said, now, uh, don't get too excited because all they have right now are the Greek and the Spanish. And they're very um loyal like brand loyal they want the german white yeah. asparagus yeah. i don't know that i can taste the difference sorry toby um so i might sneak and get some spanish or greek uh, white asparagus while i'm while i'm there uh and if you haven't had white asparagus you absolutely have to try it it's it, it's wild the last time i was there um in 2022 i guess last year i uh they there was a, a cookbook about new from america green asparagus like they were trying to promote oh. it as like this new ingredient, but you rarely do you see it even in the markets where green asparagus is, is an option. Um, so kind of wrapping up on the German obsession, there is actually an asparagus museum in Germany near Munich, as you <laughs> as you mentioned, <laughs> uh, in the town of Schrobenhausen, Schrobenhausen. Um, and it's really cool. It's, it's in this 15th century tower, and there are three floors dedicated specifically to asparagus. And there are exhibits that focus on the agriculture, the horticulture, the conservation, the gastronomy, the history, the medical and pharmaceutical science, uh, asparagus as table decoration, ceramics, silver asparagus, asparagus in advertising, in literature, in art. And then it says, and other asparagus, in quotes, curiosities <laughs> which i'm very curious now yeah what an asparagus curiosity start means. with that part walk in and, and just say yeah. <laughs> i'm curious Thomas curiosities yes i'm curious what yeah. are your what are your curiosities what aisle is the curiosity order? aisle i'm very curious uh but it's the, gonna be a bunch of dead cats yeah it probably would be uh the um the museum's sort of other claim to fame is that it has an andy warhol painting of the campbell's cream of asparagus soup hanging oh. So and I, aren't those? Now I instantly kind of want cream of asparagus soup, like fresh cream of yeah, asparagus. Yeah, yeah, the real stuff. Like, let's like let's really... ask Dan. Dan could make Dan us would some so cream. make that. Yeah. Yes, he would do a good job of that. Well, um, you're so talking think... about all of these German dishes. Were you done talking about the the museum? Uh, I was, other than to say, sadly, I'm not going to be in that area on this particular trip, but I will be back there in June in that area. So I'm going to make it, uh, I'm I'm sort of challenging myself to go to the Asparagus Museum when I'm back in Germany in June. All right. Take pictures. We will, I will. We will all be desperately waiting. Desperately. <laughs> well, about the curiosities, you will be. All right. So you're talking about German dishes that are, are uh, served yeah. with asparagus. Okay. Do you know it's I'm, I'm starting with a quiz oh good right away and we never start with a quiz this early what is rommel's asparagus it's rommel's Rommel. asparagus yep a yeah. is it a german dish of asparagus with butter kassa and whole thyme that's flamed with elderflower liqueur Ooh. is it the rows of military badges that erwin rommel wore on his uniform is it the world war ii german staff tents that were held up with rope in the wooden poles? Or is it the wooden poles that were stuck in the fields and meadows at the Normandy invasion? Rommel's I, asparagus. I like the last one. That That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a neat name. So that's that what I'm That is gonna... what it is. Oh, so wow. um, Rommel, that, you, you remember those poles that sure. were just, that the planes couldn't land in the fields and you know they also had them in the uh uh in the beaches at normandy sticking out of the sand they called that rommel's asparagus wow um 
Yeah, just thought I'd open with that because I thought it was a little interesting quizlet. Okay, so one of the things that I like about asparagus is I I love any item that comes with its own Victorian servingware. Oh, that's true. You know I love that. Uh, if there's like a vintage French dish that is made specifically and only for one food on your table, I am like more compelled to try that food. Yep. So I'm I was looking at... Uh, Asparagus plates that, that that would have matching jugs for sauce or these individual plates that have connected sauce bowls in them. Very decorative. A lot of uh, majolica. Majolica is that um, brightly colored glazed pottery that often is raised and images are kind of on it. Um, and the sterling silver pieces from the late 1700s. You would be served asparagus and it would be so fancy you'd have to have sterling silver tongs mm. asparagus tongs so the asparagus tongs looked like uh i get they're flat like a spatula two of them together so like kind of two spatulas so you could get the asparagus and they're always kind of cut and um with uh you know just like little filigree and things like that uh and then you could also that would be for taking it off of the dish but then each person would get their own little asparagus eater so yeah, how did you do? I, I thought I thought you could eat asparagus with your fingers, but I guess back then that wasn't fancy enough. Or no, no, you no, you were not supposed to. You were supposed to use something sterling silver. <laughs> but I like to eat asparagus with my fingers too. Yeah, I I agree. And even um a, even way back to 1927, Emily Post, Dear Abby, Miss Manners, uh, they all said yeah, it's proper to eat asparagus with your fingers. Um. Which I I agree with I I I like it as long as it doesn't have a sauce on it I mean you, you know you know yeah you that's know, true it gets messy the and, and they get all the smacky noises of licking you know, your fingers yeah, yeah we don't want that but yeah I I like it um so you also know that I love competing capitals of the world <laughs> you know any city who who is self proclaimed capital of the U S well in the U S there are three asparagus capitals of the world. And, and there's an asparagus thief capital of the world too. It's right, in Jasper, in Jasper Georgia. <laughs> so who, who are our three uh, competing capitals? All right, glad you asked. Number one, Stockton, California. Okay. It's the asparagus capital of the United States. Uh, asparagus is one of uh, San, uh, San Joaquin, San Joaquin Valley. Yeah. They're major crops. And the city of Stockton is home for to the San Joaquin Asparagus Festival. Nice. Which is is coming up March, April, coming up in a couple weeks, in the middle, mid-April. Um, they celebrate all things asparagusy. Their baseball team uh, has jerseys that they wear on Fridays with this cartoon character named Five O'Clock Doc. Five and O'Clock he, Doc? Yeah, like Five O'Clock meaning, oh, I just got off of work oh, and okay. I'm a doc worker. And so like now I'm going to have beer and asparagus, I guess. Oh. He looks like this scruffier, meaner Popeye. <laughs> But in but he's wielding like an asparagus stalk, like he's going to beat you with it. Which, wow. yeah. Now that I'm saying that, you know that he does look like this scruffy Popeye. Not that Popeye looks clean shaven. Yeah. But Five <laughs> o'clock doc, you know, makes Popeye look pretty clean. Um, Popeye was eating spinach. Five o'clock doc is doing. I asparagus. assume he's eating asparagus. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to call copyright infringement, but I'll put a picture up, up for all of you to see. Maybe maybe it's just coincidence. Not maybe coincidence. You decide. You decide. Any of you, if you want to put out your own lawsuit, that's up to you. <laughs> I have nothing. I've got no horse in this race. Some of my favorite items at their asparagus festival. 
you go down asparagus alley. They have deep fried asparagus. Mm. I told you I like it crunchy. So I think I would love deep. Oh, fried yeah. Asparagus. I've had tempura. It's very like tempura. Yeah, yeah, asparagus. yeah. Right. Lovely. Of course. Yeah. But they have asparagus ice cream. Oh, yeah. I would try that, too. Asparagus can be pretty sweet. Yeah. I don't mind a savory ice cream. Yeah, like the great. Japanese with their bean ice creams. Yep. Okay. Oceana County, Michigan is the asparagus capital of the nation. <laughs> so one is of the U.S., the other is of the nation. I, I see no uh, no overlap there. They have the longest running asparagus festival since 1974. And this year is their 50th uh, festival anniversary. Okay. Yay, Oceana County, Michigan. Um, second week of June each year. It's about, I think, I think I... I think it was maybe two hours away from me, maybe an hour. No, more like an hour and a half. It's not That's that far. A day trip. So I scoured their Facebook page and I found last year's Taste of Asparagus winners. So my favorite item here uh, was from a local market called Merton's. And they made, and this is me just telling you about delicious food because it is food podcast. They made this asparagus and artichoke Danish. So it's like a crescent dough, kind of a little different. Uh, with three different cheeses and garlic in it and topped with asparagus and artichokes. Looks delicious. And it checks two boxes because that's two of the episodes that we've done. Uh, so I think you have to go now um, because it's twice the homework you can you can knock out. Yeah, right. Hadley, Massachusetts is the asparagus capital of the world. Oh, what the world. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article in uh, Savior magazine that wrote up Hadley because this was one of America's premier asparagus growing regions. So the asparagus in Western Massachusetts is particularly good. You'll find this interesting, Farmer Jeb, <laughs> because the valley was once uh, a glacial lake. Mm. And so when the when the lake disappeared, it left the soil with this deep layer of uh, loam, of a, a sandy loam. Right. And so it, it's great for the roots of the asparagus and the standard variety of asparagus, which I think is the one that most that we most frequently called Mary Washington. It thrived there like nowhere else and made really super sweet asparagus. So well known that the asparagus was exported to restaurants in Paris and Germany. Wow. And uh, it was sent to Queen Elizabeth's uh, annual spring feast in England. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, Hadley has their asparagus festival the first week in June with a beer tent and live music. And I wrote a dad joke. Oh, good. I love a dad joke. Who played? I wrote this. I wrote that this is original. I So no copyright infringement on this, just like that Popeye situation. <laughs> suspense is killing me. Who? Yeah, and it's so not worth the suspense. <laughs> Who plays in the music tent at the asparagus festival? Britney uh, Spears. Oh, that was my brain was going for a Spears joke. Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Nice. I nice. Know. You're welcome. Oh. But in the 1970s in Hadley, they got a fungus that wiped out the Mary Washington asparagus. Oh, no. And they never completely recovered. So the farmers had to switch to alternate crops. Nowadays, total production is like a tenth of what no. it used to be. That's so can you imagine this? I was like really thinking about this. Like you're a farmer, you grow asparagus, it's your life. Like literally morning, noon, like worried yeah. about the weather and a a fungus comes through and your your career is over or yeah. or your your the the goals that you have are are over. 
Yeah, that's, that's, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. Your whole identity is is gone. Yeah, yeah, and suddenly you have to, you know, uh, change the fields. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it. Makes you think about how how tenuous the farmer's life is, right? Oh no, is this leading up to something? No, but you're right. It did sound oh, it like it, yeah, it, sound, it? it sounded like you were building up to a... Uh, you're right. You know, a a stump okay. the straight guy. Because I was you're already right. thinking... No, like, no. I was there... just thinking about the poor farmer. No, it is. That is unfortunate. I mean, you could write a musical about it, but... Yes. But, you know. I but I didn't. Go, go, you should. I did. It's time for... No, it's not. I didn't make <laughs> Um Okay, my favorite item in Hadley, they're known for asparagus toast. Mm. So the asparagus is blanched, so it's still like crisp tender. Put in with a uh, a bunch of cream and celery salt and black pepper and just served over toasted rye. That sounds delicious. Doesn't it? Yeah, and then put a fried egg on top of that. Oh, my God. You're right. A fried egg awesome. makes everything better. It does. It does. But it's the rye bread. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, having it that on top of rye. Awesome. I want it. Okay. Are you ready? On Monday morning, April 1910, 3,000 boxes of fresh asparagus was burned. Ooh, I bet that smelled fun. Why would yeah. they burn, like, accidentally? Uh, on purpose. Ooh. Time for old-timey reporter. And this is old-timey, old with an E on the end of the old, probably. Yep. Old, old-timey that... reporter. Wow. Great consternation prevails among the asparagus merchants, who find that the delicacy is piling up on them day after day with no apparent means of getting rid of it. The market is glutted with the grass, and hopefully the producers and shippers will no doubt find means to broaden their market before another glut can occur. Wow. Uh, the overproduction was due to increased acreage that they planted in uh, Southern California, and they had perfect weather conditions. So in San Francisco, they had... Is San Francisco Southern California? Uh, no, I think of it as Northern California. San okay, Diego. So remember is... when I said Southern California? We're not yeah. talking about that. We're talking about San Francisco. Okay, move up north. Follow me gotcha. up north. Little little car ride. So they had river boats that just kept coming in and dropping off asparagus and dropping off asparagus, and the canneries couldn't handle the amount of asparagus, and they they were just storing rows and rows of boxes of asparagus on the sidewalks. Wow! In April, nineteen ten. Uh, and the only way out of it was to build more canneries because they had more than they could handle. So it became a question of not selling it, but how to get rid of it. Wow. So they burned 3,000 cases. So I was reading some excerpts from these uh, 1910 San Francisco newspapers because, you know, all I saw in my research is just a little excerpt, a sentence here and, you know, uh, a little bibliography of where they got it from. So I... Wanted to make sure I was finding all the like really crazy, silly tidbits that I could put in here. So I did a daily subscription situation <laughs> to the San Francisco Chronicle. It's not the Sheboygan. That, this oh, has nothing to do no. with the Sheboygan. Now, now I'm going to have the, the San Francisco Chronicle <laughs> hounding me like the Sheboygan Press. The Sheboygan Press. They're going to be at my funeral, like knocking on the coffin. Is Steve McDonough in there? Do you want to renew? Yeah, it's, but it's us. It's the Sheboygan Press. But I think your obituary will be in the Sheboygan Press for sure. It had better be. They owe me that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I wanted to read this, the, the old one. So um, it pulls up all these copies of the San Francisco newspapers from April of 1910. And I read real information, like one official who said, we will give the grass away rather than see it spoil. We'd rather the public get it because we're charged by the crematorium 
at the rate of 40 cents a ton. So it was cheaper to have someone walk away with it than it was to burn it. Wow. Wow. And a crematorium. Like that's a, yes. that's, a that's a pretty that's a big mental image there too. Yes, the Sheboygan Press is standing outside of a Chicago crematorium right now waiting for me. <laughs> is that is that asparagus I smell or Steve McDonough? Which which is it? <laughs> I see black smoke, white white smoke. Steve McDonough is the new pope. <laughs> All right. Um as I mentioned, on Monday, they burned 3,000 cases. On Tuesday, word went out to tell them to come down and they can have all the asparagus they can haul away, providing they leave the boxes, which cost money. Mm. On Wednesday, the remains sat rotting in the San Francisco sun. On Thursday, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote that mountainous rows of asparagus boxes that lined the sidewalks for the past few days were finally gone. I would have uh, I would have snagged a few boxes and brought them to Mrs. Landrum. <laughs> right. And just just like planted the whole box That's into right. her garden. She'd be like, oh, I'm growing whole boxes. Yeah. Here, here's your here's your asparagus, Mrs. Landrum. <laughs> All right. So as I'm saying, I'm going through these 1910 newspapers and their images, obviously, because no one's like bothering to t- transcribe these articles. So I'm going to tell you a little side trip because it was kind of fun going through these 1910 papers. I was surprised by the things I was seeing. My favorite article, this isn't funny, but it, I just thought it was interesting. My favorite article was right next to the headline, clergyman's wife suing for divorce. So there was an article about William Jennings Bryan, you know, the great orator, uh, trying to win his um, presidential nomination. I believe it was the third time he was running, I believe. Mm. And uh, a senator from California said that it would be an insult to the party to endorse any but a dyed-in-the-wool prohibitionist for president. It would jeopardize the prohibition movement to, quote, place the banner of the party in the hands of men not out of the kindergarten class of the prohibition school. They should cut loose from the Whiskey Democratic Party. And I thought that was so interesting to read because... Reading the point of view of a prohibitionist. Right. Because I just think they're all like whack jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Like, who are these grown ass men who are fighting to keep everyone in the country from drinking? But here's like one, a grown ass man saying nobody should drink and you shouldn't vote for Brian because he he's against prohibition. And all I have to say is you just know. I mean, if you look at today's politics, you just know that all of these guys were drinking. I don't believe for a minute no, that this totally senator agree. from California was a teetotaler as he was telling everyone else what to do. I don't I believe totally for a agree. Minute. And it's just like the people that were saying, oh, you should, uh, abstinence is the way to go and that they were having babies at age 16 and 17. So the people that were preaching abstinence were not practicing abstinence. No, no, I don't believe it. And at the bottom of one of the papers, they had a series of jokes under the heading in a lighter vein and i thought oh that's fun i'm gonna find a good joke for the podcast because god knows (laughs) we could use one maybe 1910 can help us out here uh there was one incredibly racist joke like oh no oh oh, i'm not mentioning it i'm not even going to say what it's about because it it was offensive isn't even the word it was just shocking that that just, just yeah. like a racist joke like this would actually be published in the newspaper A and held and passed off as a joke. Yep. I mean, it was shocking. And that was only 100 years ago. 
Yeah, and the, all the filters it had to get through to go to press. Like, yeah, and everybody's cor- like, yeah, that's funny. That's yeah, that's one. fine. Yeah, they'll correct a semicolon, but they're going to let that go through. Oh, it was, sh- it was shocking. And of course, women, you know, good good jokes about women. Here's a good chestnut. My rose, he whispered, pressing her fair cheek against his. My cactus, laughed the pretty girl, noticing that he needed a shave. And yet they say women have no sense of humor. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yep. What? Yep. Are you kidding? I, 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 I like this I, though, because if, if that's the bar, we are so, we have, we have linked right? well above the bar. I, I, can you imagine, not even <laughs> to mention the part where they're, where they're like, yeah, you know, women have no sense of humor. Where did that come from? I yeah. And that's know. actually kind of risque for that time too, that there was actually human contact happening in the context of that joke. Oh, shit. Yeah. And she was so funny. My cactus. You're hysterical, you pretty young thing. <laughs> all right. Another solution for all this asparagus came from Norman W. Folsom, the hero of today's episode. Natalie, let's have a little, uh, like, yeah, yeah, a little crash or horns for Norman. Norman W. Folsom, the founder and purveyor of the Folsom Asparagus Gin Company. Oh, By 1915, the good Mr. Folsom was turning 50,000 pounds of excess asparagus into asparagus gin. By the early 20s, he was getting people through prohibition. Norman, Mr. Folsom. (laughs) And and then he started a prison and was feeding asparagus to the prisoners, right? And then what Johnny Cash? No, the gin. You would hope that they would be giving those (laughs) poor guys gin. Yeah, that's true. So asparagus gin as an industry was new. But as a medicine, the idea was old. There was an 1855 recipe in a medical journal for fresh uh, juiced asparagus tops and a, a rectified spirit Medici- uh, medical journal. So Folsom's gin, he first began producing it in the early 1910s. It was uh, pretty high in alcohol. It was 30%. So it was labeled as a compound gin. Do you remember we talked about compound yeah. gin versus distilled? So he wasn't steaming the essence of the botanicals into the gin. He was simply adding it to the base spirit in the process. Uh, It turned out pretty dark. It looked like a bitter aperitif, like an Amaro, like Chinar or Averna from that Branca, something like that. Newspaper ads in 1914, because he was marketing it in the newspapers, uh, they marketed it for medicinal purposes, specifically as a diuretic. Yeah, I'd heard that they can be a diuretic. Going back to the whole pee thing, it's coming full circle. Yep. Uh, they said it was a very pleasant tonic recommended for kidney and bladder troubles. And at the bottom, they threw in agreeable to the taste. <laughs> it's always it's always good when you're selling something that you consume. Uh, medical authorities were disputing the health benefits of the gin. Big surprise. So Folsom tweaked the wording on the label to comply with the rulings. And more importantly, he added a charming logo of two bears cuddling a bundle of asparagus spears. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I touched on this in an earlier episode, but uh, this medicinal alcohol was the loophole in prohibition. Right. So in 1929, American pharmacies filled more than 11 million prescriptions for whiskey alone. American doctors cited that the spiritus liquor saved many lives during the great influenza pandemic of 1918. And I can attest that spiritus liquor (laughs) saved my life. Mm. Through our pandemic, so I, 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 I'm yep. on board with that. No, I agree. Um, so Folsom, in order to get away with this, started referring to to himself as a chemist to work around the feds. 
And he could never really get the asparagus gin to great success, and he closed the business in 1922. But Norman W. Folsom continued to work as a chemist and distiller until his death in 1938. Nice. We salute you, Mr. Folsom. And speaking, a little sidebar of uh, prohibition and illegal activities, um, you and I touched upon this, uh, the connection of the Peru drug cartels. Oh, yeah, we talked a little about that. Yeah, yeah. right? Do you want to mention something about that? Well, I mean, I had, I had only read a little bit about that one of the festivals that you mentioned that they actually were uh, having a hard time having a hard time getting people growing asparagus because they uh, I, I don't know the specifics, but apparently something to do with Peru, I think. Do you remember? Well, in the 1990s, the United States, uh, we started paying Peruvian farmers to grow asparagus because we wanted them to switch from growing coca which is the plant that they use to make cocaine. That's right. And instead grow something totally legal, like asparagus. Now, did that affect Peru's coca production? Not really. Probably what not. What did it yeah. affect? Us. Because the U.S. Department of State reported that it does not believe that Peruvian asparagus production had much of an effect in Peru. Um, but the value of American asparagus farms dropped 62%. Wow. From 1999 to 2009. Good old uh, American meddling. <laughs> we like we like to take something and Screwed shake it up like a snowball. Yeah. Not the first uh, time. And um, finally, you might have noticed I didn't do Stump the Straight Guy because, like, how am I going to find something Broadway yeah. related that mentions asparagus? I'd have well, see, I... Kind of... I thought you were going down like a Grapes of Wrath kind of thing uh, earlier. That's why, you know, when you were talking wait, about wait, the plight of, of the farmer. Did they have asparagus and grapes of wrath? No, but it's you were talking about the plight of the grapes. farmer. Yeah, but asparagus I, just, of wrath. I thought asparagus. you were. I'm, I'm always, look, I'm, I've got one eye open even when I sleep thinking you're going to sneak up and go, stop this right guy. Like I wake up in cold Well, it looks like thinking. they're closed now because it's time for stop. Straight guy. Oh, man. With no transition. <laughs> In this, in this Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, famously based on a book of poems, this character's full name is Asparagus. Gus is the one at the theater door. My name, as I ought to have told you before, is really Asparagus, but that's such a fuss to pronounce that they usually just call me just Gus. I feel like I've seen this one. Uh, it, you're gonna laugh if I get it wrong, but is that Cats? It's Cats. Oh, it's one of the one of the three musicals that I've seen. Yes, I cheated a bit because it's Gus is the cat at the theater door, but I said Gus is the one at the theater door. For well, he's the one. Reasons. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I remember Gus. I haven't seen the the music the uh, the movie adaptation, the most recent one. But I'm oh told, no, me neither. Yeah, I've told not to. So okay, and so if you listen to our last episode which was on oranges the stump the straight guy answer was sunset boulevard i don't really want to get back to that episode <laughs> because that was the episode where hans had no idea who norma desmond was yeah because he lives under some asparagus rock didn't know who never heard of Norma Desmond. Well, uh, an aspiring asparagus thief, an, a, an amateur asparagus thief doesn't have time for for musical. Norma, no. Sunset Boulevard. I even said it was on the Sunset Strip, by the you way. Did. You did. I, 
It didn't help yeah, me. And you, have you never seen Sunset Boulevard? No, I've not. I've been on Sunset Boulevard, like physically, but I've never. You've seen... really never seen the movie Sunset Boulevard. I've not, but we will. When I'm up there for Schnitzel Fest, you're gonna make me watch that, and probably a whole bunch of other things. You're psychotic. <laughs> you need to watch that one night. It's it's. Uh, uh, do you do you recognize the pictures when we put it up? Uh, yes, it looked familiar, but I but I uh, I think I've just seen it in my my wife Amy is a big Hollywood person, so she has a lot of like Hollywood books and things. She knew it. I didn't know it. Uh, Amy, will you show him that movie? Make <laughs> some popcorn. Like watch it. It's it's great. Oh my god. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not over it. Uh, anyway, uh, on to recipes. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So, uh, rumor has it, I wrote a cookbook uh, some time ago, and um, sadly very it's... pretty. It's a very yeah. pretty cookbook. Well, thank you. And that's Amy's fault as well. And I... Um, so I kind of followed the the season. I wrote the book as we were doing a show for Georgia Public Broadcasting where we were doing uh, kind of a, you know, a show that followed the Georgia agriculture and what comes up when. And and as I mentioned, asparagus is the harbinger of spring. And so we started kind of with uh, ramps, which we talked about, and then into asparagus. And I love to grill or just like a lot of vegetables, I tell people I don't cook my vegetables, I threaten them. Um, so just enough heat to just kind of get them scared and then you turn the heat off. And particularly with asparagus, I, I like to eat asparagus raw straight out of the garden. So in this recipe, I'm making an asparagus salad with a lemon yogurt vinaigrette. And so I've got a grill pan. Uh, if you don't have a grill, while I'm grilling some lemons, so I take lemons, cut them in half, grill the lemons so they get almost fall apart and smushy. Ooh. They got that little char, kind of caramelizes the sugar. Uh, that's in the lemon, and then I'll grill the asparagus in that same pan, and then make a kind of a mixed green salad with some uh, some chef, some goat cheese. Uh, I like to use arugula when when possible. It's got that little peppery bite with the grilled lemons. I make a little Dijon vinaigrette with the grilled lemons. Goes the asparagus beers on top. To me, it's the perfect perfect spring salad. Uh, and that same dressing can be used on on really anything, but. Uh, particularly good with with the asparagus so i'll i'll put that recipe up on the website do you have a picture of that since i do in the book oh yeah, good yeah. good because people like when they get to see pictures i will send it along okay like when we had that picture of norma desmond people loved that or the picture knew, of they knew who she was <laughs> the picture of grandma grace's cranberry orange cake was uh, also very popular yes okay i made up a, a cocktail for this oh, one. nice. I made you it made, up you, just for, for you, my listeners. You made up a, a dad joke and a cocktail for one episode? You're working <laughs> overtime. So I call this a Smoky Esparagos. Ooh. Isn't that a great name? I love Smoky it. Smoky Esparagos. Uh, Esparagos is uh, Spanish for asparagus. It sounds like a villain in a in an old Western. Oh, it does. Go it ask does. Smoky oh, Esparagos. Oh, no, look out for Smoky Esparagos. <laughs> so... Uh, I thought, you know, thinking about how uh, Norman W. Folsom uh, made his asparagus gin, I thought, oh, that's still not right. I think tequila would work better because tequila is already have, has a bit of a vegetal taste. So I'm going to go a little further and use a mezcal. And we're going to take some asparagus. Uh, we're going to infuse it into mezcal. We're going to put it into a clean glass container with mezcal, which has got that smoky flavor and some black peppercorns mm. to add a little more of that kind of dark spice to it. We're going to let that um, 
We're going to let that infuse for, you know, 24 hours. That should do it. And we're just going to make a margarita with it, basically. Add some triple sec, some because the orange flavor, asparagus nice. likes that. Uh, for sweetness, we're going to use an agave syrup. Now, I think when we use a syrup in uh, in any kind of a drink, it is too thick. And when it hits the ice, it you know really sure. gets too thick. So just dilute the agave syrup in hot water first. And lime juice, of course. And I think um, I think I'm going to add some lemon juice at the end. Maybe we'll just do a big squeeze of lemon into the end because asparagus loves lemon. Or if you're feeling fancy, use one of Hans's grilled lemons. Imagine serving Ooh. this. Yeah, with a smoky salt muscat. around the oh, with salt around the rim and a grilled lemon uh, wheel on the top of it on your smoky asparagus. Um, I think this will be just delightful give you that kind of deep vegetal flavor um for the spring no i love it i want one now we're going to taste test that when i'm up there the only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. so as always if you would like these recipes for free for free yep. what the but for free, what? Go to our website, buttidigestpodcast.com, and, you know, just take it. Take it, sure. <laughs> uh, you can email us at buttidigestpodcast at gmail.com, Facebook and Instagram, buttidigestpodcast, Twitter at buttidigestpod. Also on our website, you will find a link to Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. As always, special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico, special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. And you, my friend, are headed towards the airport. I'm heading to uh, the asparagus capital of, of the world. I think China is the actual asparagus capital yes, of the world yes. when it comes to production. But They do make the most. We didn't mention that. If you get points for obsessiveness, asparagusness, perchability, it's all about it's all about Germany. I'm going to perch myself uh, and land in Germany and uh, eat some Greek and Spanish uh, asparagus with my cousin Toby and my daughter Ella, who's turning twenty. So happy birthday, Ella! Oh yay! Uh, and I'm shipping my son Finn off to Germany for several months. So uh, my uh, Amy mentioned that it seems like the last couple times I've gone to Germany, I've come back alone. So I've uh, I'm one child less each time I come back from Germany. So. <laughs> she better hold on to yes. Heidi. Heidi better hold on. Yep. So. All right. Well, Alfredo saying. Cheers. That was fun. Are we done here? We are done. <laughs>